Hi, it's Taylor. So I've got something a little bit different for you. This episode is live from two events that happened on Saturday, the Women's March and the Taking Strides event at the Central Library. The march, which was one of many around the world that began in 2017, is a protest against sexual and gender depression. Taking Strides is more of a celebration of sorts with a diversity of women representing themselves, their culture, their art, their strength. Just a heads up, not every voice you hear will be introduced, but you can check the show notes for a time-stamped list of who's who. The first speaker you hear will be Adora Nofor, who is the MC for the march and one of the organizers. Here we go. having a feeling and I'm going to talk about it. This amount of power, this amount of voice, it's amazing. I want to thank every one of you for coming here. It is freezing cold. We have something amazing for each and every one of you at the library after. I want to please let everyone know here, we appreciate that you came to protest, you want to have your voice heard, we are not doing that at the library. <laughs> we can make impact in different kinds of ways. Um, I'm born, raised, and still living the racism dream in Calgary. I say that because every day I face racism. Uh, I am a comedian, sometimes people are upset with the things that I say, I don't care. <sighs> I keep saying those things, and I'm funny. <laughs> and really, I say those things because I know what I could do with more. I know what I could do with more support, more care, more love, more understanding, more compassion. I'm here leading this march. I never thought that that would happen in a million dreams, <laughs> ever. It's year number four, and all of you are here and believe me, I was crying this morning because I was like, what am I going to do for these people this morning so they feel like they can create change in their own lives and the lives of the people around them? Because sometimes you're silenced. I'm silenced often. I have great ideas and people will tell me, you didn't say it nice. Yeah. Parents get ready, fuck you. I want to see myself thrive. I want to see my children thrive. I want to see my parents thrive. And more importantly, I want to see all of you thrive. It's the only reason I'm here. 
If it was about me, I'd get a sugar daddy and be on a yacht shaking my ass already. I've been abused. I have trauma. I've been raped. I have been treated like a trans person. And let me tell you, trans people are amazing. So treat them so, treat them like they're amazing. I am almost legally blind. I know I show up with no glasses, but I got contacts. That means that my disability is normalized. Let's normalize every disability. I'm, I'm, I might have more to say later, but I want to introduce my friend, uh, my mentor, my teacher. This person has been here with me every year. Um, they make impact in our community. They teach in our community. They are going to welcome you to this land. Everybody, please put your hands together for Chantel. Hello. Can you hear me now? Yay! Hello, my name is Chantal Chagnon. I am Cree, Anishinaabe, and Métis from uh, Muskeg Lake Cree Nation, which is in Treaty 6 territory. But we always like to begin in a good way by acknowledging the land upon which we stand, because if you don't know where you are, then how do you know where you're going? So this is the home of the Treaty 7 people, the home of the Blackfoot, or the Nitsitapi, from Siksika, Gainai, and Pagani. Home of the Sarsi Dene, from Tutsina, and the Stony Nakoda from Morley, which includes Chiniki, Bears Paw, and Wesley First Nation. We're also walking in the footsteps of Métis Region 3, which is why I proudly wear my Métis sash to act as that bridge between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. And when we acknowledge the land, we're actually acknowledging far more than that. We're acknowledging the history that is steeped into this land. We're acknowledging the families that have been here for thousands upon thousands of generations. To put that into perspective, there are the Sundance grounds just outside of Standoff. And they've been doing the same Sundance, the same ceremony, year after year after year, generation after generation. And it's been passed down through families. And they finally opened up the site to be tested by archaeologists. And the archaeologists found artifacts and predated the site over 16,000 years. They've been doing the same ceremony in the same way for 16,000 years. Not staggering. That's the history that we almost forget about, but it's part of us because we're connected to this land. And remember, you are all treaty people. If you live here, you're a treaty person because if it wasn't for those treaties, no one would be here, no one would live here. A treaty was a promise. It's a promise to come together, to share the land, to grow together, to learn from each other, and to build community in a meaningful way. It is a responsibility, a responsibility to honor that history and so we don't repeat any of those mistakes, but also the responsibility to make the world a better place for all of our future generations, because we're all in this together. It's also a relationship. Being part of a treaty is a relationship that we have to each other, all people, the relationship that we have to the land, because the land is part of us, just as we are part of her. We'll be fine or she'll be fine without us, but we need to take care of her because without her, we're not here. So it's about honoring and acknowledging that relationship that we have to the land as well. And so to welcome everybody in a good way, I'd like to share with you the Cree welcome song. Traditionally, when we sing songs, we sing in rounds of four, honor the four directions of the medicine wheel. 
But this song we sing in rounds of three, and that's to keep the circle open and welcoming so everyone completes the circle today. Because in a circle, we're all connected. There's no beginning, there's no end. No one is greater or less than anyone else in the circle, just like in the hoop of life. So it teaches us to honor each other for those differences. Because it's when we find those differences and when we can come together to compromise, that's truly when our community becomes resilient and we can actually see progress happen. So this is Mia Sin, the Cree welcome song. out here and sometimes that's not a safe place here for trans women I want it to be that it's safe enough that they can come here every year so that means we need more of you to circle around them and create a heat wave and a safety net so that they can come here and tell you how you can support them how they can support you, and how we can make this world a better place. We are going to continue along with our programming. We're going to be quick. Our next person is Audrey Lane. They are a spoken word poet. An environmental activist. I'm sorry. I'm cold, Audrey. I'm so sorry. I'm Thank you all so much for being here. It is a powerful, powerful thing to hold space like this and listen to each other and believe women and echo our voices. It is so powerful. It is so powerful. We know this. We know it saves lives. Um, and birds know this too. Chickadees especially have amazing warning call systems and we can have a lot to learn from them. 
Have you ever heard the warning call of chickadees echoing through the forest like fire, resounding in a thousand throats like, I believe you, I believe you, I believe you, resulting in a mass exodus from danger? From the forest, it is grim and it is beautiful. Now, imagine that the first cry was cloaked, choked, invisible in the throats of kestrels and hawks and those that chose to fly with them. Now, imagine that we were told from the leaders of our flock that those chickadees crying just wanted attention, that the chickadees were ever, never actually, the hawk was never actually proven to have the broken body of a bird bloody in its claws. So why are you still screaming? Why are you still screaming? Why are you still screaming? Because, because I believe in those warning calls, they have saved me. Because I know the danger in raising the hackles of hawks and I know the flock wouldn't do it unless we needed to. Because I know if one bird is crying out, at least a hundred birds are broken already and we are broken, left singing sweet warnings to a mourning forest that will not grant us sound. That is why our warning calls are being painted as ugly. It's because we forgot how to listen to them, forgot how to let echo let them echo in our own throats and sing each other into safety that is the grim beauty in a single cry the kind of call that fills a forest with flight that saves countless lives so that's why that's why i believe you because i know that if i let this call echo through me it will save someone else it has saved me that's why i believe you I believe you, I believe you, it's okay. I believe you, thank you, I believe you, thank you, I believe you, I believe you, I believe you, thank you, I believe you, I believe you, I believe you, thank you, thank you. Uh, my name is Audrey Lane Cockett, uh, and I am a spoken word poet, an environmental activist, an educator, um, and and woman. Tell me about the poem that you read. Um, I read a poem called "I Believe You, Chickadee," um, and uh, yeah, it's about believing women and taking cues from the natural world, and how chickadees have this warning call system that is so advanced and is all based on um, like believing that first warning cry and echoing it through the whole flock and, and keeping each other safe in that way. And um, I think we can, as a society, learn a lot from chickadees um, and, and by echoing and believing and, and sharing each other's um, stories and warnings, uh, we can keep each other safe, all, all of us safe, keep our community safe for everyone. Yeah. Why, why do you think the Women's March is important? Um, it's important to uh, have that space, to take up space, to be seen and, and heard and visible. Um, and that's not something that occurs every day, unfortunately. So it's important to have um, you know, days where we're especially visible and heard and, and um, uh, hard to ignore. Yeah, I think it's just important to have like all these different kinds of voices and perspectives, and it's so nice to um, to be part of that and witness that and um, 
and uh, take that into our own little worldviews and how we affect every environment and show up for each other in a good way. Like I said, I'm from Calgary. I'm, every year I come up here and talk about some of my experiences. So at a point in time, I was homeless. I was pregnant. My parents were not happy with me because we're Christians and I got jiggy with it and uh, I was on birth control. Still got pregnant. <laughs> Yay! Um, that year, I, because I was homeless, I was trying to get into the, the drop-in center. They would not allow me because I had a job. My job ended at nine o'clock, so I could not get there before curfew. So I was homeless. And that year, a woman died, pregnant, under the bridge. I remember that every year on my son's birthday because homelessness is ridiculous. Um, did I take down the energy? <laughs> I appreciate you for being here. I am going to bring up a person that I met this morning. I just was coming down the escalator and I saw them standing there and I felt like they were here uh, and I needed to connect with them. So Iris, can you please come up? I just want to say about that poem, my daughter's nickname is Chickadee. Yeah, that touched me. So um, I'm homeless and, I'm, and that's homeless by choice. I've been on my own since I was about nine or 10 and I was homeless back then. And it was, I left home because of abuse. I was not heard, I was victimized, I was abused in every way and my family didn't hear me. And during my lifetime, I've been, I had my child when I was 15, and um, I've had children since, but because of inner pain, I'm the product of the 60s scoop and, and, and assimilation, and I'm hurting. I've lost my culture, and I've lost who I am in this world, and I'm 53 now, and I'm just finding out who I am. And I'm only now learning how to love myself and like myself. <laughs> And I chose to be homeless today because, again, I am not heard. I am not free to express how I feel or express my pain. So I chose to be homeless so I could feel I could be me. And I thank you all for your attention. And I, I say we need reconciliation, but it doesn't start until we do it in our own families. And that's what I pray for mine and for all of you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Iris. Uh, love to your chickadee. Oh, it's cold. We're gonna go with our next person. Hada Hada is here. She has been helping organize this year. Thank you so much for your time. I wanna say there's no way I can do anything by myself. So I need a huge group of women to help me every year. Uh, please let's make some noise for those women. Women with an X, because we include everybody. Everyone, put your hands together for Hada. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Good morning, Calgary women and men. I have a poem for you this morning. I wrote this poem with the hope that we can dis demystify and disentangle this term feminism that seems to scare the hell out of women and men 
and to dismantle the binary that is created in our society that insists on dividing us as women versus men. We are all one and we are to work together. It's not us versus them, it's all of us together. And so here it is, I titled it the 8th of March International Women's Day. In Algeria, there is a street named Hay Temania Mars, 8th of March Street, for real. Daily and internally celebrating International Women's Day. Women, let's talk about, a, about women. I am a woman, an Arab woman, a Syrian woman, a Canadian woman. I am a woman. And I love my femininity and the geography of my body and my body and of my mind is far from linear. My peaks soar into heavenly skies and my valleys are endless depths and my world has no end. And, and I love to dance and I laugh and I cry at once and I have carried three children in my womb and I can carry a home on my shoulders and I draw my strength from the resilience of Syrian women and of all women and I love my two homelands and my two sons and I'm raising them to be feminist to be like my Baba, my father, my idol of a feminist don't be frightened of my feminism. Hear me, you see. Feminism is not about lessening manhood or conquering masculinity. I am not a colonizer and I despise colonialism and its ways. Feminism, my friends, has no desire of invading worlds or erecting walls. Who, for God's sake, still builds walls? Feminism is about my daughter and your daughter. It is about recognizing gender inequalities and injustices and calling for gender equity. It is for calling for unrestricted dreams and possibilities and in every single domain. Yes, in all, not more, not less, an equal ground where we all have a place and a say, that is all. We wish to build bridges and to plant red, orange, yellow, blue, green, and violet roses on an earth that is big enough for us all. And when we see walls, we will topple them. We are not flowers to be fixed in crystal vases. We love flowers and we paint them on our doors and we plant them in our poems and we wave them in our revolutions and we sing for the butterflies to dance but we are also fire, we are volcanoes, we are women. We cannot grow in your shade, we need just as much sun, full sun, so that we may stand tall unwithered like an evergreen Mediterranean cypress tree. This is a man's world. A man's world. Oh, but it 
It ain't nothing, nothing without a woman or a girl. In Algeria, in Algeria, they named the street Hyatt Mania Mars. And in Canada, they passed a bill so that when we stand on this sacred indigenous land and sing together to our red and white flag, our national anthem now goes like this. Oh, Canada, our home and native land, true patriot love in all of us command. Thank you. Thank you so much. Beautiful words. I love that song. We're just moving right along. I'm going to say it again. It's, it's, it's hot in here. Everybody put your hands together for Suad. I am both pleased, honored, and humbled to be ahead of you today. I am a born and raised Calgarian. I am Muslim, and I am Lebanese. I carry three identities and so many more, and one that encompasses all of it. I am human. You are human. And we should be together spreading love and conversation, not hate. We don't do that over here. I love every single person who's here today because you've demonstrated that you love each other too. Thank you so much, Suat. We're, we're moving fast. I know it's cold. We're losing you. Um, you know what? I believe the children are our future. That was my grade six graduation song. So now you know I'm an old lady. Um, but without young feminists, without young women, without young men, without children, without our youth, there's nothing. Um, there's a song. And it says, your smile is different when you believe in your future. So with that, I want to bring to this stage uh, one of our youth organizers for the Women's March, Davey. Hello, everyone. My name is Davey Prasad. I'm a 17-year-old high school student. I was asked to talk about feminism today, specifically feminism from a youth perspective. I'll admit when I first heard this topic, I had no idea what I was going to talk about. I thought, how do I talk about sexism? I've never experienced sexism. I go to one of the most diverse schools in the city. I'm constantly exposed to powerful women, women with agency, women who can create change, I genuinely couldn't answer the question, why is feminism necessary today? Why do I need feminism? Because it's easy when you live in a first world country with a relatively liberal society to take what you have for granted and to view your singular experience as the experience of the collective. It's easy to drown in the privilege you have and forget that the real world exists. And that's what a lot of young people like myself tend to do but eventually you're exposed to the real world. You begin to see that women and men are not treated equally today. And to realize that as a young girl, to pop that bubble of privilege and find out about the dark truths that plague our world, to me it represents when you grow up. When you stop living in a world where the playing field is equal. 
You learn about missing and murdered indigenous women. You discover that one in three women are abused by an intimate partner. You hear that sexual assault is the only violent crime in Canada that isn't declining. Hearing these facts terrified me. They also filled me with anger because of the unfairness of it. When I learned about these statistics, I thought, why? Why does this happen? Why might I become one of these statistics? Why might my friends, my female relatives, my any woman, why might they have to go through something like this? Keep in mind, though, my aforementioned statistics only pertain to Canada. I also learned that 133 million girls and women experience genital mutilation in Africa and the Middle East. Out of, out of every government in the world, women only occupy 22% of parliamentary seats. Sexism and discrimination are global problems, and this must be acknowledged whenever we talk about feminism. Growing up, I often thought about societal problems, specifically what causes them. I was like, why is racism a thing? Why does rape happen? And the conclusions I drew were, societal problems exist because people don't view and treat each other as equals. It was a heavy thing to realize at 12 years old. And it ties into why I marched today. It ties into the answer to my question, why is feminism necessary today? because people still aren't viewed as equals. Because in order to have anything resembling a utopia, and I believe a utopia is possible in this country, in order to have anything resembling a utopia, women must be viewed as equals in our society. And that just doesn't happen right now. That is the reason I am marching. I am marching because the playing field is not level. And as awful as it is to realize that from a young age, I also know that without our voices, it will never be equal. I am marching because women don't deserve to be inherently at a disadvantage in our world. I am marching for equal rights and equal responsibilities. Thank you. Words, not what I expected in person. I don't know what that means, is that good? I feel like I just like conceptualize people based on their voice. I think I just didn't expect you to be very tall, that's all. Mm -hmm. But everything else is fine. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Um, could I get you to introduce yourself? Yes, uh, I'm Shefra Gathamsetti. I am the program director of Taking Strides. Yeah, we're here at the Calgary Public Library. We are here. Your uh, social media handle is getting shift done and I feel like that's very uh, appropriate today, given that you've organized, if not all of this, a, a significant part of it. You know, I'm not going to take credit for that. I've had an incredible group of women to work with, but I do like getting, getting shift done. You're right, yes, but a large part of that is working with an incredible team. This is, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first year that this part of the Women's March has, has happened, the, the indoor library event? Yes, so it's it's meant to be sort of an extension of the Women's March. They're not the same event. Um, and, but, you know, we knew that the march was important to people, especially because they want to, we wanted them to use that momentum and come in to the library space and into taking strides and sort of find ways to take that energy throughout the year, right? It's a, it's a symbolic event for a lot of us, and that's great. But we really wanted to 
expand on that this year. And so, yes, it is the first and hopefully the inaugural, which means we'll have more. What, what, what is the, the goal that you're trying to accomplish with this event? Well, I mean, you know, even for myself personally, sometimes it's really challenging to attend and participate in the march because of the time of year, right? It's cold. Um, people with mobility issues might not be able to do the full route. Uh, you know, sometimes it's difficult for people to bring children. And um, so we just wanted to provide a space and an opportunity for people to engage with the same sentiments, the same energy, the same intention, um, and come in here and find you know, a variety of things, whether it's like exposure to different ethnocultural groups, sexual and gender minorities, really understand what it means to be intersectional. And also, you know, we have ASL interpreters on site, we have sighted guides, so it's, we're just really trying to make it as accessible as possible for whoever wants to participate. And the other part of it that I think is also important is it's not just for women, it's not by women, for women, it's really for everybody. So we have, you know, lots of programming that speaks to allyship and introduction and sort of a, an engaging invitation, if you will, to um, lots of different communities across Calgary. Can you talk a little bit about the structure of this event? It, I think it's really cool that you've got different caucuses having different events on different levels of the library. And and that's, you know, the the biggest part of knowing how many women are involved in planning this, right? So we didn't want to make it a centralized approach, like a super rigid approach, and the caucuses were our idea of allowing community leaders, you know, within whoever identifies with that caucus to sort of take it on and take on their programming. And um, we, Unfortunately, we're not able to have as many caucuses as we wanted because we couldn't organize um, as much programming, but there is still a ton out here. And so we have a black caucus and members of the black community have sort of led the programming for that. We have a disability caucus. People who are disability advocates in Calgary are leading the programming for that. Um, you know, we have the Latinx caucus, we have the indigenous caucus. There's just so many um, amazing internally led conversations happening and they're not meant to be exclusive or community specific they're really just there for um, others to kind of expose themselves learn engage we also have a resource fair so when I was talking about that momentum we we're hoping that you know if someone comes in here and they're like I really want to volunteer with an organization I want to donate I want to learn more about resources that can help me expand my my ideas of solidarity and activism they have an opportunity to sort of engage with their interests. There are women from political organizations here, housing, um, cultural communities, uh, you know, just everything you could possibly think of. And then last but not least, we have a full day of programming in the Patricia Whelan Theater for those introverts who might want to spend the full four hours or take a break. At least it's very warm inside. <laughs> yes. Yes, and there's coffee, which is important. Yeah, very important. Why this combined event, let's say, or connected event, this uh, Taking Strides and the Women's March, why is this so important and it's for the, for the march its fourth year? I think there's just an appetite, right? Like this, this grew out of people who have event, attended the Women's March year after year after year and are just seeking to sort of take their, their insatiable energy to want to motivate change and do something with it. So I would say it's an evolution and that's why it's important, right? Like what are we, is, is the march enough for some? Maybe not, you know? Of course there's a piece about accessibility, but 
it's great. There's lots of people who have said, um, who've given us really positive feedback for having something like the March and then, you know, coming to an event like this. Because the March is something that they attend with their friends and family. And this is just one way to kind of make the day more memorable. I think it's really cool. There's a lot of families here. Mm. Yeah, and we wanted to make it family friendly and accessible. And the library has been an amazing partner in helping us make that happen. But it's male decks. It's a dance book done by males, and it tells that it's almost like a. It's a very sexy dance, because, like I said, you're trying to win the affection of females. You're trying to get them to look at you. You're showing your pride. You're puffing out your chest. You're you're wiggling in ways that you wouldn't normally wiggle, um, and it it's such a sign of your pride of who you are. Like, look at me. I'm the best one. And the, the female chicken um, that's in the middle of them would pick the one of who danced the best. Like I said, so it's a pretty old dance as well. And this is a dance, um, it's not a ceremonial dance, but it is a, it's a dance that happens at lots of social gatherings. Um, and now is in Powell, so it's danced still by men. And it's a dance that only men usually dance. So like I said, my dad is really well known for dancing chicken. Um, we laugh and call him a sexy chicken. But, um, and so I've come from a really long line of men chicken dancers. I thought it was the coolest thing. So I wanted to dance chicken. And my dad was like, all right. Like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because again, in these groups, there's always one in the middle, one female in the middle. So my dad was like, okay, you can dance chicken. And it was scary. It was really terrifying, especially being one of the first females in this area to, to be dancing chicken and predominantly a, a men's dance where it's not necessarily a young boy's dance, it, it's, it's for men. And I was a teenage girl trying to dance chicken and trying to step into those spaces of, of a lot of discomfort of being like, this is how you have to move, the way that you dance is a lot different, the way you showcase yourself, but I loved it. Um, so I danced chicken. And I was, um, for a long time, one of the only female chicken dancers around. And it was hard. It was really difficult because my name is Latasha. And so when I would powwow and go somewhere, I'd go by Tash. And so my dad worked with me a little bit. And he was like, all right, like, yeah, you can dance chicken. And you don't have to hide that you're a girl, right? He's like, um, we would laugh. Because it came a little bit difficult sometimes is we'd be at a powwow and I'd be in my outfit and it's like, all right, let's go to the washroom. And you go into the female washroom and they're like, get out! And I'm like, but I'm a lady! And then it's like, do I go into the men's washroom? You walk in and it's like, nope! So you, you come back out. And I got a lot of not-so-kind comments a lot of time, especially from, from some of the other men chicken dancers who weren't always as kind. Because, again, this is a men's dance. Um, so my dad was really supportive of it, and lots of people who knew kind of the origin of the chicken dance were really, really supportive in it. Like I said, I've been dancing for, um, by this point here, I had been dancing for quite a number of years in men's, in men's chicken, in teen boys' chicken. Like I said, it's fairly competitive. And then in Powell country, there's your really big names is in any sports, your, your NHL-level um, Powell dancers. And then there's, you know, your WHL and there's everything in between, but there's all kinds of stuff. So when it comes to competition, you know, you have your NHL Powell dancers going at each other. Um, yeah. And then there was me. <laughs> um, so I danced chicken, and I would travel around, and I was in teen boys. 
and there was this one pebble we went to um, actually up in Wetaskiwin, up in, um, what is it again? Samson Cree Nation. So just a couple hours north of here. And at that pebble, it was huge that one year. There was over a thousand dancers. And in Teen Boys Chicken, specifically that year, there was 25 other Teen Boys Chicken and me. And so I was standing there, so there's three days of a powwow, and you have a competition every single day. And at the end, um, they kind of tally up your points, and then that's how they get the winners of each one. You're judged on every day that you dance. Um, so that first grand entry, I get there, and there's this huge line of, of teenage boys. And like I said, some of them were all right. Some of them weren't so kind, but th this was every chicken dancer um, all happened to be at the same Powell this week. And there was lots of them. I was terrified. <laughs> um, and it was outside of Blackfoot country. And so it's a little bit scary. It was a lot scary. And so I'm standing there and like I said, some of them weren't so kind. Some of them, yeah, it was a rough time, but I was there to dance. And so I remember going into lining up for that first grand entry and there's all these boys and they made me stand way at the very end because you know, for grand entry there, if you've ever seen one, um, you kind of dancing in a line with your category and then the next one comes in and so and so. So they made me stand way at the very end. And I was like, all right, okay. Um, and I remember going back to my camp and sitting with my dad and I was like, I can't do it, I'm not gonna dance. Like, I'm too scared, there's too many of them. I'm not gonna win anyway, so I'm just, I'm just not gonna dance this weekend. And my dad sat me down and he's like, well, like, why do you need to win? <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. And I was like, maybe because I like to win. <laughs> and my dad's like, yeah. And he's like, but you know, you're here to dance. And if you let them scare you off right now, you know, why even bother dancing at all? And I was like, okay. So like I said, so I was, I was like, okay, well, I'm just here to dance. This, this Paolo, whatever. Um, I don't care if I place, I'm just gonna dance. And that took a lot, like I said, it was really scary. And we went out, and so our contest time, they would call Teen Boys Chicken, and I'd go out there, um, and was just kind of like, yeah, I'm just here to dance, so it doesn't really matter what's going on. And I danced, and I danced, and that Sunday night, it would have been about 3.30 in the morning that they were calling winners. Sometimes these calls were pretty, pretty late. And so like I said, I'd kind of already checked out. I was actually, um, packing up her van because we had to go home that next morning and so I'm packing up my van and they're calling all of the winners and they're going through juniors and then they're going through teens and like I said there was some really amazing chicken dancers especially in teen voice chicken some of those ones that same thing get first every single powwow get first or second there's kind of the uh, uh, NHL kind of level chicken dancers in every category so then sure enough they call um they're calling and at this pile, like I said, it was really, really big. So they had seven places. So then they call their seventh place winner and they run up. Then they call their sixth place winner and then that young fellow walks up. Then they call their fourth place winner. And guess who they called? They called my name. And I stood there because I was standing beside my dad and my dad was standing with some of his friends. And I was standing there and I couldn't even move. I was like, <gasps> and you know when you're so shocked that you can't even scream or anything? And I'm standing there like this and I'm like, and my dad walks over and he's like, it's you, it's you. And I couldn't move my body. So my dad actually had to walk me <laughs> up to go get my prize. And he's standing there. Um, 
and I get my prize and I'm waiting because you shake the hands of all of the other um, competitors and winners as they come up to get their prize. And so it's not, it's not the winning that was important that weekend. And so this is a gift that I'm going to share with you guys of my victory story. Is in that moment I realized that it's more important to really follow through with things that you love. I have been a chicken dancer for over over 10 years now and because of that um, there are many many young girl chicken dancers today and that brings me a lot of pride. I now dance in men's category because I'm over 18 <laughs> I'm pretty old these days and it is my favorite thing um, to see people reclaim those spaces that they want to be in and that it's okay to take a chance sometimes, regardless of what the outcomes can be. So yeah, it was great to get fourth that day. That was, that was the biggest win and one of my biggest accomplishments in being a chicken dancer. There's been many other powwows where I've placed first or second or third or not placed at all, but I'll remember that, that one particular night um, for always. And this is one of my victory stories um, that I pass on to people because I hope to pass on on that pride for you to take to take a chance in whatever it is that that you are passionate about. Yeah, and that's my story. Don't complain if he strikes his hand across your already broken heart. At least you invoked it putting him to shame as the male child you bore had disease written in its veins treat your woman like a queen a companion that will spy on your enemies do anything to protect your throne because of one day just one day you lose the kingdom the castle you call our home she knows there'll not be another day you hold her hand or watch her sleep graciously these love letters written on paper is such a temporary concept and realize it crumbled with the accidental drop of a matchstick. Or was the matchstick really accidental? Look at the poor peasant's partner who's smiling as their lover walks through the door. They barely have a penny, barely have a place to call home, let alone a kingdom. If it's the streets they must sleep on, they'll go on an adventure and gaze at the stars writing love letters on rocks because no flame will burn that down. They can't take away the gold we can't afford and they don't understand a love that's much more divine than a ring with a sparkling diamond. Let's create rags into masterpieces, busking on the streets, loving company that breathes, not the one 20 feet skyscraping beyond belief. Let's drive silently till the sunrise, following the noise of the howling wolves. We are guardians of our own hearts, independent at our core interlocking, however, strengthens us. Nor man, nor woman, nor king, nor queen. We are persons, lovers, companions of compassion because of one day, just one day, we lose the kingdom, the castle we call our home. I wasn't some queen in the first place. Woo! Thank you for being such a lovely audience. Enjoy the rest of your day.